Talking Calm, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. Season 8, Episode 5. Julie Tate of the Lakes International Comic Art Festival. Hello there, everybody. Welcome along to Talking Con, a cup of tea with an Englishman in San Diego. It's a pleasure to have you joining us um, here on the 13th of September uh, 2020. Um, it's been a busy week. It's been a busy weekend. Uh, plenty of stuff that's been going on. And if anything, it's been one of those weekends which have defined um, the new normal when it comes to Comic-Cons um, across the globe. Uh, because there have been, I believe, seven events that have been running this weekend. Everything from um, events uh, very specific uh, when it comes to, um, I believe, um, uh, persons of colour. Um, there's been a, a very dedicated uh, convention for for them being run, I believe, in North America. There's been a, a Canada Con. There's been, uh, obviously, DC Fandom, which we are going to get into at the, uh, the back end of the, today's show uh, because we've got plenty of stuff to fit in. Uh, but we've also got ourselves a great guest uh, who's joining us for our conversation today. Uh, and it's a pleasure uh, to welcome Julie Tate to uh, hey. the show. Hello there, Julie. How are you? I'm good. Yeah, yeah. No, it's really good to join you. Yeah, really excited it's, to talk about it. It's good to have you on, seeing as we've been... T- I've been trying to get you on this show for a while. And all, our ship's always crossing the night, I think. Well, I think it might be rather ironically, bear in mind what we're about to talk about, because I'm not tech-savvy. But I've had to learn pretty quickly in the last few months, or at least other people have had to learn and show me how to do it. Anyway. Yeah, I can imagine. Um, well, I think first things first, um, just to introduce so people um, that know who you are and what the conversation's about. Julie Tate, first things first, before we get into lakes, let's describe um, who you are in terms of your background in convention organisation, because I think that also will dovetail into some of the rest of the conversation later. Julie Tate, who are you? <laughs> Good question. Um, yeah, well, it, I mean, to cut to the quick, really, I've been involved in festival organisation, not necessarily convention organisation, since 1995, um, back in the time when I was actually in Birmingham, um, doing multi-art form festivals, um, and I was organising a South Asian music and performing arts festival, then a Birmingham book festival, then the Birmingham International TV and Film Festival I was involved with. So you can see that basically I'm, I'm a hotline and sinker for festivals. Um, <laughs> and then when I moved up to um, Kendall, which is on the edge of the Lake District, um, I got involved in another uh, range of festivals which were more to do with the outdoors. Um, as you would imagine, that's quite appropriate. So uh, I was involved in a mountain film festival, Kendall Mountain Film Festival, um, and set the book festival elements of, of that up. Um, then got involved in street arts, outdoor arts, um, and ran a four-year programme alongside the Olympics as part of, part of the Cultural Olympiad. And when that finished in 2012, it was a case of, what should I do next? And a number of uh, things all kind of converged at the same time. Very briefly, my son uh, has Asperger's and is a massive comics fan, number one. Um, number two, I'd made friends with Sean Phillips and the family. Nothing to do with comics, just Sean lives locally. Um, and I asked him, um, I've been, sorry, I went along to a comic con, I won't say which one, and thought, oh God, these people, these artists are amazing. But in my view, the event maybe could be doing more 
for the audiences and more for the creators. And don't mean to sound pompous, it's just with my festival background, I thought there was another format that was possible. And then I went back to Sean and said, how about running a festival um, next year, which was 2013. And in Sean's inimitable way, with massive enthusiasm, he said, yeah, you may as well. Um, <laughs> and he put me in touch with a range of people who opened their address books and the rest is history. Because I, I think, I mean, I've been to um, a number of the Lakes festivals. Uh, I've, I've been a big, strong advocate for the festival purely because of just just the, the sheer range of schools of um, the various elements of comics and not just necessarily the traditional uh, four colour, big two. It's every kind of school and every kind of era as well. Uh, and I think it's just the sheer breadth of the, the the content that lakes put on is what really kind of appealed to me and also the fact that you were doing something um which was in line with say an event that i've always wanted to go to which was anglomay uh, which is an event which takes over a, a town um a city and over various locations roping in the town and roping up um, schools uh, businesses uh, libraries uh, and bringing them all together to host a real city-wide event uh, which i think is um it like I say i've really wanted to go to anglomay for a while um and this is really lakes is the closest uh, i i've got to attend uh, such an event um i'm i'm guessing anglomay is something you've been to it's something was that a, a, a word that came up almost uh, from the, the the go when it came to organizing lakes um, yeah, it did actually. It felt like a bit of a charlatan because I was at the very beginning of the process going around saying, oh, we're trying to be like Angoulême in France. And I was thinking, oh, God, I haven't even been there. But it was because <laughs> everyone had told me about it and everyone was very enthused and uh, energetic when they spoke about it. So, And I, I'd looked it up online. But then I did go um, actually just after we did arrange the festival, I basically set it up. Um, and actually, uh, I loved it, obviously. I mean, it is amazing. It's a bit too flattering to say that we're trying to be on the limb. We will never be that, I think. But actually, in another way, I thought, we can do something like this. I mean, not on the scale, sorry. But actually, we, we, can, we can come up with something that's as interesting as this, just different, not as big. We're not in France. France, you know, the, the authorities in uh, on the limb throw, as you know, hundreds of thousands of euros, millions of euros, potentially, at the festival, you know. Um, in France, creators are rock stars, you know, yeah. on, they, they roll up and you've got, you know, the hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of, of people screaming and shouting. It's not exactly what happens in, in the UK. Um, that's, that's not exactly our style. Okay, that, that's, yeah. that's understandable. I mean, although you say, you say that, I mean, I think the great thing about hosting lakes, well, in lakes, in the, in the Lake District, is we have such a strong... Um, small print and independent com uh, comics um, community here in the UK, very much um, in away from the major hubs, away from London, away from Manchester. It's in the in the fringes. It's in in the valleys. It's in uh, Kendal. It's in Hebden Bridge. It's uh, down in sort of like Brighton. It's it's all over in the different in the fringes of the of the country. And I think that's where Lakes really kind of comes in its, into its own because it's found all of these. Um, strong voices, these independent creators, uh, yeah. to come to Kendall? Well, I think what I love is, uh, I mean, one of the, the, the biggest pleasures for me is the, the mutual respect. So we get, you know, people, really big name people, for best, ones for best description, 
um, coming along, uh, I mean, actually, Boulay from France came notably a few years ago and went into the clock tower, as we call it, which is, as you know, is the marketplace for Indies, in, and uh, was blown away and took a long time going around and acquainting himself with those people and their work. So I think what's great is it brings those two groups closer together um, and there's some mutual respect. I mean, I think there's always loads of respect from independent creators for you know, the big names, I can't think of a better way of describing them, but those who crop up more probably and earn a squillion times more money than they do. <laughs> but they but they were start they there's a respect and it brings those communities closer together as well. I mean our audiences, if they're not uh cognoscenti as well, see it all as one piece. Yeah. So they'll go into the clock tower where we have um a roster of the big names signing. And I mean, classically, one anecdote is um, a local person who went up to Carlos Esquera and said, who are you? What do you do? Yeah, the same as he went up to somebody like you say from Hebden Bridge who self-publishes in their bedroom. What yeah. do you do? And it was like, oh, my God, they're seeing these people all as one as one thing. You know, they're not starstruck. Or yeah, anything. they're actually... Is it's very democratic. It's I, I totally get. It. I mean, I think that's also reflected. I mean, we mentioned the clock tower. And we're going to talk about it more uh, in a bit. Um, the clock tower is it's it takes up uh, its space in the uh, the Kendall Town Hall, um, and it, what I've always admired about it is that you do have some pretty big names, uh, established talent right next to, like you say, people who are either publishing for the first time um, or they're literally just getting started. They have no real sort of like uh, pedigree as yet they're learning as they go but they're right next to um uh, some what we, we would consider big names and it's it's very much down the line everyone just kind of coming together i think that's always been um, a, a big draw as well what would you say defines what the lakes festival is in terms of the types of talent and creators that participate what would you say is the kind of the that common thread that comes to the creation of lakes well it is the full spectrum i mean that's what we say it's literally every form of comic arts although I, ha I think we have got in the past year a little bit behind the curve in terms of what's going on in terms of the future of comics and i mean by the future i mean some of the interfaces of vr and all that kind of stuff but we'll come back to this because actually it sounds a bit cheesy but this coronavirus situation has given us the opportunity to actually move in that direction yeah. um so hey um but yeah i think it's it's looking at the, the the comic art form as a medium so the only way that you can make that argument in my view is to cover every genre and show that comic art is an art form and then within that art form there are hundreds of different kinds of comics um, and I think one of the arguments is you often hear people say who don't know and or not interested they think in comics oh no don't like comics well you wouldn't say that about film so don't like film generally I mean, I'm sure there are some people out there who hate film but <laughs> a very small minority so that so people like different genres of film and once you get into that conversation then generally people understand that and I think that's where we've kind of made progress with the Arts Council and why we get the funding and by the way i'm not suggesting for a minute we're the only festival out there doing the kind of thing we do there's obviously thought bubble which is amazing but we're a different beast yeah partly because of where we are and the fact that we have a town we can take over not a city which is impossible to take over <laughs> uh, unless you've got a billion quid so i think um for us it's about getting the message across that it's a medium to be explored and enjoyed
I think it's one of the few um, festivals I've been to where I've been down into the um, brewery um, arts uh, building, um, gone down into the basement and found a uh, uh, exhibition on uh, West Coast um, left field and adult uh, creators, and then go up the stairs and there's <laughs> the, uh, I, th I think it was the history of uh, the Dandy and Beano. And then when you get to the top floor, there was uh, an exhibition on um, a, a Japanese manga. And I just, it was almost overwhelming. It was just all this, these different schools, which was uh, 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 very impressive. Um, for yourself, I mean, what highlights have you personally experienced over the past few years? Because I can, every time I see you, and like I say, it's not just getting you on the show, our ships pass um, when you come to the actual festival itself. You are always bouncing left, right and centre and finding uh, the things uh, to look after when the festival's actually on. What highlights have um, kind of jumped, could jump out at you for the last few years? Crikey. Oh, I should have thought about this one. I know. I, I, I just asked you to name your five, three favourite children. Uh, Go for no, it. Actually, <laughs> there, are, there are events, um, specific events where I thought, oh, yeah, we, we cracked that, well, mostly, um, where we were, I think, making our points that we can do things that are a bit different um that's not trying to trump anybody else it's just that's what interests me and our team so the marvel versus dc um debate uh fight <laughs> in the theater <laughs> as one of our opening night events um i thought worked really really well and we got amazing feedback from the audiences on that and we kind of we tried to we made it fun i think by having you know two cartoonists from america uh, documenting the debate as it was going on um, but there was some serious stuff in there as well, and it took the audience along with it to such a degree that afterwards we were inundated with people saying, can we do that again? Can you do something similar? Um, so that was really good. And then at the other end, if you can call it that, of the performance work was our commission of Dave McKean, which I'm really, really proud of because I thought that showed the power of the medium at its very, very best. Um, yeah, I was, I was in the room for Black Dog. Um, that was that was an emotional powerhouse. That was something else. Um, I yeah, that left me quite winded. Uh, that was something impressive. But then again, it's like you say, there's uh, across the different schools. I mean, it's, it's also um, one of the last festivals or last conventions that Darwin Cook uh, appeared in uh, before he, he passed, uh, which I was going to show a picture of, but um, yeah, I didn't have it to hand. But I was thankfully in the room when he presented. Um, a screening of New Frontier to a room full of kids who were there just to see superheroes on the screen. But I'm just going, no, there's the guy that drew this. I'm just, but no, they they didn't care. He was, they he explained what the conception of the the book was and then what it took to get it as an animation. And that was just that was something so special to have that happen. And also the uh, the Tintin versus Asterix as well. As somebody oh, yeah. who, as somebody who read both as a kid, um, that was a, that was a tough night <laughs> to decide between between the, between the two. Um, each year, there seems to there is a, a theme or a texture uh, to the the festival. You have um, headlines, as it were. Um, what were the the themes and textures of the twenty twenty festival going to be? Aha. <laughs> well, good question. Um, yeah. 
Well, we were for sure going to start moving in the direction of looking at some of the, the sort of future of comics uh, work. We were talking to Bay Rate over in San Francisco or Seattle, Seattle, sorry, um, who, as many people will know, who were aficionados, he um, he designed Gollum um, and did a lot of Lord of the Rings 3D character design. And he is now really at the forefront of work with, in VR with comics. So he was uh, looking to come along. Um, but to be honest, we were about to have the conversation. Um, we knew what we were going to focus on in terms of internationals, because as um, anyone listening um, out there has been knows, we do do a lot of international work. Um, so we were going to be focusing on the Czech Republic and um, introducing China, Chinese comics. Wow. That's obviously another story now, certainly the Chinese yeah. comics. Bear in mind what's going on over there. Um, but yeah, that, that's really where we, we were at that point um, of, of looking at what we might do. We were looking at celebrating Dan Dare, had been talking to Dave Gibbons and various other people about participating in that. Um, but then, of course, it changed quickly and we did make a very early decision. Well, that's where the next topic of conversation then. Uh, 2020 has been um, a monumental a singular event um, in history um, and a lot of conventions and festivals had to make a decision um, relatively early on in terms of the actual talent but they had to announce later down the line mostly because of um, uh, insurance or arrangements and contracts that have been made with talent agents and the buildings that they were being hosted in um, how was that diff different to um, how you organised in Lakes because of all the various locations that you um, set up shop in and also that, like I say, Brewery Arts uh, Centre is uh, kind of like the, the focal point of the festival in Kendall. For the various locations, how soon did you have to make the decision? And Because you, you were one of the rare events that actually announced what your plans were pretty early on uh, in, yes. the, in the arrangement. Yeah, we were. I mean, it, it wasn't easy. And it, I'm sure anyone else who's been through that who who might be listening would, would feel the same. But um, we could have hung on. Um, but there was ju we just had a feeling that it wasn't going to change. Obviously, we couldn't see into the future. Yeah. Um, and we decided that if we were going to do it, we weren't going to... I know uh, we, someone, um, one of the, the Comic-Con um, organisations tweeted when we announced another another con has fallen victim or something. That might be and, me. <laughs> someone saying that but actually we that's not how we saw it um and i know that that's how it felt and it feels to the audiences to be honest but we decided and i don't again don't want to sound cheesy that we would try and do it as early as possible make the decision so we could do as good a job as we could in doing stuff that was just that bit different um and also to give our our audiences time to kind of go oh bastards and then go oh okay and then go oh i'll come um, so, and the same with the creators as well, although we have no problem with creators, I think a lot of them are relieved because most of them don't want to leave their studios anyway, do they? So <laughs> the idea of being uh, forced to stay home was probably not such a big deal. Um, but yeah, we decided, um, basically we decided between approximately the 17th and 25th of April, as I remember. Yeah. Um, yeah. Very early. Uh, it's, a, it's a massive undertaking to make that kind of decision. Um, was the decision to make the whole thing um, and organise the whole thing in-house an easy one? Or, uh, who did you call on for help and advice when it comes to putting on 
the virtual cons because I think it was around that time when you made that announcement mm -hmm. that the virtual con uh, started becoming. I mean, back then, I mean, when you made the announcement, people were just still working out what you could actually do as a virtual convention. Um, at which point you then, you as an organiser, have to start asking the question, okay, what can we do? Uh, so who did you call on for help and advice in putting something together? Well, we had to first of all get the, um, the blessing of the Arts Council because the majority of our funding comes from that source. Um, and actually, um, we're very, very lucky to be honest, that we have that because if we'd been more based on a commercial model, which we're not, we would have been in in serious trouble. Serious dire straits, yeah. Yeah, but but that isn't the model that we're we're thriving on. And, and so often in the past, actually, people have said, "Oh, you need a better business model. You need to be more commercial." Well, thank God we never did become that commercial because the Arts Council funds us now as um, as the only comic art um, or only comic art thing in their formal portfolio. To represent comics so their take was well you don't have to do very much just just keep going keep planning for the future so that was a neat that made it much easier for us and maybe some of the cons who were going oh my god i've lost all our ticket income and our exhibitor income and and everything so i um, i put my hands up and say it wasn't so difficult for us um but then we have we're lucky to have on our chair we have a board um, of trustees really and our chair is an ex-TV producer and our, our marketing guy is also an ex-film producer so in terms of getting ahead around tech and production we made a decision early on that we were not going to try and replicate the festival and put it online so right. I'm really sorry to announce that we won't be having any panel discussions for example or anything like mm. that we will have okay. some patreon interactive stuff but most of it will be pre-recorded films um, yeah. to enable us to do stuff that we've not been able to do before and might never be able to do again, which I can come on to in a bit. Yeah. Um, I, I It was interesting to see, I mean, first and foremost, just to let you know, we've got a couple of people who are saying hello. I can say Michael P is saying hello. Sarita P, hello all. Um, hello. And uh, a mutual friend of the pair of us, Julie. Mark Jackson is uh, uh, watching as well. What The wonderful Julie. So, uh, yes, you, uh, you've, uh, we've got mutual friends uh, watching. Um, the one thing that I also was taken with um, when it comes to uh, the, the announcement and that when you said that it was going to be uh, Lakes Online um, was the opening of the Clock Tower and doing that as the virtual event, the virtual Clock Tower. And it's been running pretty much from the festival announcement, which is very rare for uh, the virtual conventions because I've seen that the majority of them open up their virtual stalls, as it were, Pretty much for the weekend of what they would be doing yeah. of if it was an IRL um, event. Yeah. You went a different direction. You decided let's just get it open and keep it remaining open. It's available right now. Um, yeah. It's bold. It's impressive. Who came up with the idea for putting that on? Oh, thank you. Um, well, uh, I thought that we couldn't let the creators down entirely. So when we wrote to them to say we're not now going ahead in a physical form, we felt like we had to offer them something else. Uh, it seemed obvious, although I realise um, you can't just build these, th these things and people will come. So the devil's in the detail now about how we continue to market it and drive footfall, as it were, or virtual footfall. So um, I'm very lucky to work very closely with Joe and Luke McGarry over in the States. You know, proper Mancunians, but temporarily <laughs> defected. Let's hope they come back. And this is a kind of specialism of theirs to put together 
I'd say quirky websites um, and quirky shops have done quite a lot of work on that. So we had a chat, they said, yeah, they could do it. And then serendipitously, we got an extra piece of funding to do with coronavirus. And I thought, well, how better to spend it than to spend it on this? Oh, thank you. Um, so we just, we just, we got the money in and we spent all of it. <laughs> on <this laughs> um, And, you know, time will tell. Uh, we know that we are getting um, some reasonable footfall. People are selling stuff. And we're leaving it up until May next year when we'll change it over to next year's ha inhabitants. That um, was going to be the question about how long this was going to uh, maintain, whether it was going to come to a close at the weekend of the uh, what would have been the festival. So you, you're keeping it going as a, a, an ongoing... Um, yeah. Uh, yeah, wow. We're going to keep it up. Um, and then next year, when we announce our new inhabitants of the clock tower, we'll refresh the content but we'll and even if and i'm presuming we are going to go ahead next year we'll also have a virtual clock tower we'll keep that that will be there forever um and people are now coming out of the woodwork and asking if they can be part of it so you know it's evolving um and then people can change their content on a regular basis so if they get tired of a particular aspect or they have a new comic then they can add that yeah we've got some really bad onomatopoeic stuff as the switch between the pages which is probably really <laughs> annoying people now but i, I quite like it <laughs> they're words that don't they're not even on the math, math, math appeal, words that i even recognize but hey who cares <laughs> supposed to be fun <laughs> so yeah i think we've got a really good array of people um i believe it's around 80 ish maybe more yeah um, but to be honest there's no limit to how many people we could put on there obviously it's a website so I think the other thing that I, I really find appealing as well, it's very well laid out, it's uh, nicely um, presented, and um, there is that ability for people to... So, like, I think that's the, the thing I want to kind of um, uh, touch on, is that challenge for virtual conventions. It's the one nut that they have not been able to crack. Um, the replicating of that connection between fans and talent in a retail space, allowing... For talent to actually make some money because it's some it's something this is a major revenue stream which has now fallen by the wayside this year uh i mean what's been the situation in terms of charging them for this virtual table as it were and what's been the solutions in discuss trying to get them to get to get sales actually out the door um we don't charge them anything so right. we decided that this was our job um, particularly during coronavirus when the rug had been pulled under the feet of all these people who may, some of them go to, as you know, like more than a dozen conventions a year. So to have no income this year was a serious, serious problem. So that's why we decided to do it and we charge nothing and we'll continue to charge nothing for it. Um, it's kind of a service back to the comics community, really. And then we market it and we are going to be more ferocious in our marketing as we hit the weekend. Yeah. Um, and just after, as you would imagine. But we're also working hard to try and get the people in there to do the same because at the end of the day, as I said, we've built it, but the people coming is not just down to us because we have our own networks, but these people have you know, a multitude of networks. So again, it's about um, finding a way for us to be working much more closely with this community um, of creators who hopefully will then have a closer relationship with us from, from there on in. So that's the plan. Cool. We'll see. <laughs> Indeed. Um, I mean, like I say, it's the one. It's one element that I'm really curious to see when 
the dice have fallen when the everything the dust has settled and we're able to kind of look back because we're in the middle of it now i mean for all intents and purposes we are still in the middle of this thing um and i think we are still yet to really work out what has worked what hasn't worked um and i'm i think it's just that connection i mean the the, the ability to actually get sales over the you know, money crossing hands that's the for me a big element of it because it supports especially um, smaller independent um, creators that rely on this revenue stream to yeah. just con to continue um very quickly in terms of the exclusives that i know that um just to explain to anybody who's watching this who may hear the word exclusives and think of uh, uh slightly bigger things um and other uh, what what comic-con exclusives are when it comes to lakes um there's often uh, prints uh, there's posters, uh, pins, whatever. Is there anything that's been uh, created for this year? Um, well, we've created our own stuff, um, which is online because we have our own shop, of course. Fair um, enough. Um, and that's partly it's about generating income because we need income, but it's also um, to give people an opportunity to carry on collecting stuff because I know some people actually do come each year and get whatever they can that's got the official artwork on it and stuff like that. And then there are some creators, and I'm afraid I can't off the top of my head say who they are, so you'd have to rifle through them, who've done, who have done LICAF exclusive online stuff. Well, I, I think we, uh, we we saw some there. I mean, I'm on the originals page, uh, so we've got um, the, the likes of oh, the... the, the oh, my yeah. God, yeah. Oh, sorry, here we go. So, so Russell Martin, Olsen being one, and Arnie. Yeah, um, so there are people doing that, and I think we're expecting some more to come online from I think probably about half a dozen creators who are at the moment working on stuff so it's an opportunity as I say for people to get you know limited edition gear cool yeah excellent it's very, stuff it's been a really good thing to do excellent stuff um in terms of the curation I mean you've talked about um uh, the uh, bringing of people on, on board and more people who are actually interested in uh, participating um, yeah. in not only the clock tower but also in the the festival generally um, how have you been able to pick and choose what has been part of the online experience considering the breadth and depth of, of the physical events yeah i mean that one has been tough what we've done is um we've tried to include the creators who would have been coming because obviously by march we we had a list that was quite comprehensive um so we've managed to involve quite a lot of those people and then we've gone back to some of our close close friends who um not meant entirely literally will pretty much do anything for us if they're available and if it's something they feel they can easily do um and then we've tried to reach out that's American term, isn't it? To a few <laughs> who haven't been yet, uh, who might never come, or who might now be thinking of coming because we've done stuff with them. Um, and we've tried, we've put it into seven, it's all on the website, we put it into seven strands. Um, so people can binge one strand or they can pick and choose from a strand. Um, we've gone on the basis of the kinds of events that people enjoy at the festival, but as I said before, we've gone beyond that because we don't want to just replicate. So one of the most popular things are the live draws, as you will know. People absolutely love watching people. Now, it's not the same. There's no kidding that it's the same watching it for me. Sure. Online. But um, we have put together some events where we've gone back to people who've been really, really good at live drawing, or we've come up, we hope, with formats which will show 
people off to their best. Um, and the way we're doing it is people are live drawing, obviously, in their own studios, but they are recording it, and then we're editing it, time, you know, putting time lapse in as needs be. Um, one example is, um, it's called, we're calling it past the panel, but it's not technic technically correct, it's past the page. We're creating a 16-page original comic, uh, and I know this isn't rocket science, it's been done before in other ways, um, where someone starts a story off and then it passes around the world. Um, and we've got, you know, people like Duncan Fagredo, uh, Luke McGarry, Lucy Lamova, who's one of the leading Czech comic artists, Elion from Congo. It literally is right across the world. Um, and that will be launched at the weekend. And that shows basically 16 people live drawing in their studios using different methods, creating a comic, which at the end will be available for people if they want to download it. Um, I mean, that also kind of really shows the... It, what you can do with a virtual event it when you've got that uh, limitless space of the internet it, yeah. it gives it opens up scope for um I, I mean i know there's a number of conventions which have almost done their best to just replicate the the irl um experience but there's other things you can do and i think it's just a case of finding and having the imagination to put those together and i think that's that's the challenge i think it is. I mean, I think, to be fair, there's also the resource and the timescale. We were fairly lucky in that we're in October, just like Thought Bubble is in November. So, you know, I very much look forward to seeing what they come up with because they'll have had as much time as we have and a bit extra. Um, but, you know, places like San Diego, which is, you know, a massive, massive operation, as you know, in itself, then has to turn its head to being virtual. No wonder most of it, from what I saw, was panels online, panels online, panels online. Yeah. Um, which I'm not knocking. Uh, I think it was, I think with that, I mean, number one, because it is a non-profit, there, there wasn't the money. And number two, they were very much on a skeleton crew at that point there because yeah. of the what they, the way they were maintain, they're maintaining themselves. They did pair back a lot of the, the people that were uh, t staff uh, for the, the event. So they were very much hamstrung by what they could organize. Um, and like you say, it was a case of um, just taking on the content from people who would have been putting uh, panels together. And I'm guessing that's a similar thing to what you've done. You've reached out to people that would have been putting on Q&As, perhaps? Yeah, well, we, yeah. So going back, so we've got these seven strands. Sorry, I don't focus too much on one, but there's a live draw. We called it showing off. But then there's um, different view, which is exhibitions online. Uh, Comics Up Close, which has a number of different strands. One of them is um, a series of 15-minute like TED Talks for comics. Um, that's the kind of more academic, not academic, but more in-depth thing. Um, but then we've also got Co uh, Desert Island Comics, which, for those who are as old as me, will know is um, it's a, uh, not a spoof, but a, a take on the classic Radio 4 programme, but you choose comics and luxury items and some crisps and chocolate biscuit, um, <laughs> rather than what normally goes on to Desert Island Comics. So basically we've got all this stuff and what we didn't do was go back to a creator and say, okay, we're just gonna, we're gonna do what we were gonna do. Um, we've actually gone back to them and said, oh, well, can we do something a bit different? Um, and every one of them has been really up for it. There's no exaggeration. It's like, oh, what a relief, you know. Basically, I don't have to just sit here and talk about my comics. Yeah. I get to do something else. So, I mean, for the first time, I'm really proud of this because actually for me it's one of the most passionate energetic videos we've, we've got is kelly sue deconic on desert island comics wow yeah and she is absolutely brilliant we had to um edit her down from two and a half hours because she just wouldn't stop talking to <laughs> half 
What? Okay, this is that's where you that's where you actually sell tickets or sell an online thing for the two hour version. Good oh, lord. I mean, that's not a criticism. We're just trying not to run long events because we think people online don't have the same attention span. Okay. Um, so yeah, so she's chosen her comics. We've got Mark Miller doing that, and Dave Gibbons, Eric Reynolds from Fantagraphics, Posey Simmons. So. You know, it's a, a really interesting array of people. So, yeah, we just went along and said, will you do this? And some of them went, well, I don't know what you're talking about. Like in America, Desert Island Comics, like, Ooh, what? <laughs> um, but people have been really up for it, going for a laugh. That's why I love comic artists so much. Having worked with many other kinds of artists in um, a long period of time, yeah, I found my place. I really like comic people. Cool. I was going to ask, uh, who, who has, uh, in terms of the cooperation and kind of, to help put this event together, the virtual, uh, the uh, Lakes Online, who has stepped up and really put themselves forward in helping Lakes uh, continue in terms of the creative and the talent? Is there any names uh, yeah. that have, really have just gone, oh, I want to help out on this one? Yeah, definitely a few that spring immediately to mind. Dave Gibbons, for sure. He's been amazing. Michael Lark and his uh, fiance, Kelly Wolf. Um, who'll be coming back next year, we hope, to Kendall, have been amazing. They got Kelly Sudaconic on board, because obviously a creator asking a creator who's a friend is much more powerful than me trying to badger them. <laughs> uh, Charlie Adlard always, Sean Phillips always, the Viz Boys, uh, over the weekend they'll be doing a live, well, not a live, but they were doing a, a Viz shopping channel, so you can buy the really bad gear off the back of their annuals. Um, <laughs> Stuff like that. So, yeah, loads of people. Um, and then I have to mention Peter Kessler, the chair of our board, because he's put in a ton of voluntary time making some of the films. So, yeah, that, it's been overwhelmingly lovely. <laughs> Excellent. Um, the one thing that I'm going to miss is going to be that lounge room stage set uh, with the sofa <laughs> and, and the, the, the rug and the lamp. Um, is that being replicated at all for any of the panels? No, oh, because, no. No, I know. I know we should have thought of that, shouldn't we? But um, no, we're not at the moment planning to do that. I mean, basically, the plan is on the Friday night, the 9th of October, we launch many, many, many pieces of content. And we also have a little Lickaf Live. Hello, Mark Jackson, because he's been amazing. I should have mentioned him. Sorry. Um, as always, with that element um, and more. But yeah, there's a little Lickaf Live, which is for under 12s primarily. But we launch everything on Friday night. But at the same time, we launch a live um, feed, which will continue over the weekend, which will be a mixture of live events and also pre-recorded events, which we've saved up to release as live, which you'll understand. That sounds a bit yeah. confusing. Um, <laughs> so Kelly Sudaconic is one, and Steve McNapp will be in a boat on Windermere in the lakes talking about his Swallows and Amazons as an inspiration for his work. I mean, it's nice. all a bit off the wall. Um, yeah, that's how it's going to work. So, but no sorry. Oh, curses. Save it. Um, so you're going to have to. Yeah, well, yeah we'll, we'll get into uh, next year in a second. Um, could you say what the percentage has been between what we can expect online and what would have been at the festival? I mean, obviously, you have to pare things down. You have to be very pick and, pick and choose what you can actually put together um, for the, this virtual effort. Do you have a, a, a rough idea of the, the kind of percentage you've had to scale back to? We haven't. So um, we've got, at the moment, um, about 36, which that sounds very precise. Um, at the moment, we have 36 pieces of content. 
to launch on Friday night, and then we have a live schedule. So I'd say that it's at least equal. Um, we also have seven workshops, which are live workshops happening. Um, so we've got Lucy Sullivan, uh, Luke and Joe McGarry, uh, Tom Richmond, all sorts of people doing free online workshops. And actually, the bookings for those have already in a week gone beyond what we'd normally get in total for all our workshops. Wow. So it may be that next year we run more, our workshops online and do the rest of the fest festival physically. That's one of the lessons, maybe, is that more people obviously can um, take part, but also people are used to doing online workshops now. Yeah. Heaven knows they've had enough practice. If, 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 if someone doesn't know how to handle a Zoom meeting by this point, I think uh, um, heaven knows we've had months of practice on this. Um, in terms, you mentioned the Arts Council and the, the grant and the help that they've put together. Um, it's something that I've kind of got a handle on how the Arts Council uh, distribute their um, their grant over the course of uh, a year. Um, I, as far as I was aware, it was a case of they kind of pick and choose which events they can support. Um, can you just expand on that and in terms of the relationship with Lakes and the Arts Festival? Because it really does sound like um, you're rather reliant on that uh, that money. Yeah, we are. I mean, um, we argue that, that it's right that the Arts Council should be looking to support us forever, just like they do the National Theatre and the Royal Opera House. If not more so, but there you go. Obviously, I won't get political, um, but there are institutions and organisations that have been funded forever who do not need to rely on earned income and are there, in inverted commas, it sounds a bit pompous, but for the greater good, they're doing something good for the art form and they're doing something most importantly good for the creators. So our argument when we're asked for a, a more of a business model, if we ever are, is there ain't one. We can't do yeah. the kind of thing that we do on a business model. <laughs> we just can't. Um, However, um, what the Arts Council does is two things really. So we applied to be part of this national portfolio, as they call it, and it's a round which gives you four years of funding. So we're in a, um, the middle of that, and the Arts Council have rolled it over and given us an extra year without um, a blink of an eye because of coronavirus. So they've done that for everybody. Um, and then there are other ways in which people can apply. And we actually do spend a lot of time, I want to make a point about this, um, helping individual creators to access Arts Council funding, um, helping them to um, write applications, etc., etc., um, and they can apply separately to project funding. So an individual creator or another event, um, like Comic Slopia or one of those other events out there that's relatively new, can and should, in my view, be getting funding from the Arts Council, but it's, it's a project by project funding. Sure. Does that make sense? Um, no, that makes sense. So that's where we where we sit at the moment. We have to Fair work enough. really hard to keep them to keep it. <laughs> yeah. Um, but um, no, so far so good. So we can plan with some certainty for next year and the year after. Well, I mean, let's let's talk about next year then. Um, and certainly from somebody who has the background in organising festivals beyond and um, outside of uh, lakes and the Comic Art Festival, uh, you've got. Mm -hmm. The, the the you know the the landscape of uh, conventions and festivals um how do you feel um 2020 and the situation we've been through uh, will impact conventions next year and not just for lakes either uh, knowing the landscape as you do and probably hearing chatter uh, more than most um how do you feel the conventions certainly for the first 
quarter, first half of the year? How do you think uh, conventions will go forward? Well, I think the first quarter of the year is going to be really tough um, because it's out of our hands still. Everything's changing, as we know, from week to week in terms of, for example, international travel. What's interesting for us, though, is that, I mean, at the end of the day, should I put my personal position out there, I'll probably get shot down, but um, I respect everyone's decision to stay at home if they make it, not travel, not go out, not do anything. I also respect those people with due care and attention who decide that they will. Um, we have a number of artists, possibly even um, coming over for the autumn to our live event from France, who decided that they will suck up, as it were, the quarantine in order to participate because without it they they would feel lesser. They would this is what drives them being able to move around and meet people and do stuff. So I think that process of people taking a position will actually pretty much level out during the spring. And a few people will re-emerge and some other people will decide not, not to go anywhere in twenty twenty one. I mean, I, I've had conversations with people on that basis. It's like I think I think the, the the conversation that we've been hearing, especially from guests that we've had on uh, this show, is it, it's all down to one word, and it's down to vaccine. Um, uh, I mean, there's a couple of American creators I spoke to, and they were I I was stunned at just how bunkered down they were willing to be uh, until a vaccine comes out. But uh, like I say, I think you, you you hit the nail on the head that there is that scale across the board and there are people that want to get out there and want to kind of uh, reintegrate and get back to yeah there's a new normal and then there's back to normal and i think there's, there's really well yeah. i think it's the same with the audiences so we might have fewer people though we might pick up new people through the digital festival who might decide to come along and there will be creators who will travel and there will be ones that don't um i think we're following the line of um certainly from june onwards the big, big festivals are being really bullish at the moment, as you'll know. So Glastonbury's on, Manchester International Festival's on, Reading's on, all those music festivals that are probably higher, well, they are higher risk, are on for now. Yeah. <laughs> um, so we will plan on that basis, absolutely. I mean, it certainly helps as well, like you say, where um, Lakes sits in the calendar. Uh, at the back end of the year, I think um, it's going to be... We, we can all hope that the majority of the effects of the pandemic will have passed. And I'm, I'm just how far have you got in terms of planning for next year? Because every time I speak to uh, convention organisers, it's it very much is a case of a year and a half. It's okay. We've got this one coming up in six months. We're looking at that one. Uh, so how how much uh, groundwork have you put in so far for 2020? Well, well, what we have done is quite a lot of people who were coming were new. Um, and we've said to them, all things being equal, we'd still like you to come next year. So we've put an element of it on hold. It's with respect to the creators who, some of whom had lobbied us, which is a nice position to be in, to be able to attend. It's like, yeah, yeah, we can't do it, but you can come next year. Um, so that is part of the thinking. Um, we've got two countries and an extra country that we promised we'd be doing work with, so we'll be doing that. So, But also, um, we're looking at some of the people like Kelly Sue, possibly, coming, if she can if she can bear to travel with the family, hopefully, because then we get two for the price of one. Um, yeah. We're looking at it on that basis rather than on themes at the moment. It's it's more, to, next year I think it's going to be more of a gather together party type scenario. Gotcha. No, it makes sense. Um, also, from um, Lakes Online, uh, what do you feel you could be bringing from the virtual convention to the event next year? Do you see 
um, elements of it that would continue uh, the virtual clock tower, perhaps. Um, yeah. I mean, what what elements do you do you feel could be taken from this event to next year? Well, definitely, when um, when people see it, I hope Future of Comics, which is com completely curated by a newfound partner um, who is specialises in VR and digital, D three D fancy fancy stuff that I can't explain. Um, he's put together a whole element of our programme looking at its show and tell, it's showing what comics can do um, beyond print, etc, etc. So we'll definitely take that forward. I think some of the formats we can do, we can actually either stream them in, which is obviously, as you know, always subject to um, a little bit of the vagaries of internet connections and everything else. Yes. Um, or we'll show some of the stuff as films, but with an audience in a in a cinema, um, if they're good enough to show in that way. I mean, one of the little gems I'm certain is going to really affect people is the Dave McKean. We've gone through the comics keyhole and went to see him at work in the studio, and it was amazing. Wow. Absolutely amazing. So we, if we can carry on to do those sorts of things, then the people, the creators don't need to come. We can still have them involved in the festival. Fair enough. And I think just to wrap things up also with your, uh, another thing that um, really impresses me uh, is the relationships that you've grown with other conventions and other festivals around the globe. Um, they're all facing a very similar uh, issue. They're f facing their own challenges. Um, in that regard then, which events have been partnered with yourselves and yeah. um, moved forward? Uh, who, who have you been partnering with this time around? Because um, I, know, I know that you, you, you had uh, um, a presentation as part of a virtual convention this weekend. Yeah, we did NCS Fest. So the National Cartoon Society of America, who are very good friends of ours, um, we did a new festival with them in Huntington Beach, California last year, which was supposed to go ahead again um, in America, maybe not in Huntington Beach, but anyway. Um, so they decided quite recently to go virtual. I thought it was a really impressive day, actually. Hats off to Jason Chatfield, the president of NCS, who put that together. Um, and we contributed like a premiere, as it were, of Dave Gibbons doing design comics. Um, so I'll find out how that went down. But the other people we work very closely with are um, Lyon Festival in France. Um, so. If, if they can come, they've brought us a number of creators who are going to come and take part live in our studio for that weekend. Um, and we've done quite a lot of other stuff with them. The Quebec Festival, uh, the Czech Literary Centre, um, they're people that we've been working closely with. Um, everybody else, oh, the Philippines, sorry, they've got a new comic festival in a couple of weeks, so I'm doing a session at that. Um, and we've carried on talking about joint publications with um, an organisation in China, which is coming to fruition. So, yeah, there's a lot still going on. We haven't lost any partners in a way that it's just... Strengthened. That's good. Yeah. Excellent. Well, I mean, I'm, I'm looking forward to um, the, the virtual effort. Uh, I'm, uh, I'm, I believe I'm helping contribute a small corner of it uh, so looking forward to uh, uh, to seeing that being presented as part of uh, Lakes Online. Uh, just to remind everybody where's the best place for people to find out more about the virtual event um, yep. website address social media where's the best place to go yeah well um, there's Twitter and Facebook and Instagram Licaf Live um, or Lakes International Comic Art Festival it depends which uh, platform you're on um, Easy to find because you can go straight from our website into any of those and it's www.comicartfestival.com. So we haven't changed the URL, but we've just changed the look of it and it's got everything on there and we've just launched the live schedule as well. Excellent.
So, like I say, I, I, I'm looking forward to seeing uh, how the the event goes. I think I personally think um, purely off the back of um, how Lakes has been organised in the past, uh, with just such a, a level of care and attention and joy for the art forms uh, and the medium. Um, I'm really looking forward to seeing what you and the team have got uh, lined up. Uh, I'm very much uh, excited to uh, to see what uh, is the future of the Lakes International Comic Art Festival. And yes, I'm looking forward to getting back to Kendall because at the end of the day, it's a very, very pretty part of the world. I think that's one of the big frustrations about this year. Kendall has not exactly had the greatest of luck or that neck of the woods has not had the greatest of luck when it comes to weather and rains and floods and other aspects. This year has been a rather nice year. <laughs> and, this, and then this happens, which is rather a bit frustrating. But there we go. But Julie, it's been a pleasure talking to you. Thank you Thank so you. much indeed for coming on. Um, I hope that we can talk again once the festival has happened. Talk about the pros and cons, and uh, yeah. talk about how uh, think how things have actually gone, and what you've got planned for next year. Absolutely. Thank you very much for having me. Excellent stuff. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your Sunday. Thank you. Bye. Excellent. Bye. So there you go, Julie Tate. Um, do go check out the website. Um, like like they say, it's just uh, the, the the clock tower uh, on its own is just very much worthwhile checking out um, because uh, it's just got so much charm. Uh, and I think that's down to the McGarry's and what they've done. But also, I mean, if we could just bring this up on screen so people can see it, um, the, uh, the the actual um, page itself for the uh, the, the festival. Uh, yeah, it's got it all there. It's, um, it shows you um, all the uh, the aspects and elements of what they've got going. And they also are very much looking forward to uh, the next generation of readers. They really do support uh, kids and uh, the next uh, generation. Little Lee, Little Lycaf, right there. Do go check it out. It's well worth uh, seeing. It's comicartfestival.com. And, of course, you've got the... Um, the, uh, uh, the, the virtual clock tower as well, which is being put together by the McGarry's very much worthwhile checking out so there you go right thanks to julie for that um let's talk about the other conventions or the other virtual events that have been taking place especially when it comes to dc fandom which uh took place today that technically closed an hour ago uh, because it was a 24-hour event um it was something that um they were um putting on from 6 p.m gmt through to 6 p.m at GMT uh, today, so 24 hours, uh, very much like the event that they had uh, a couple of weeks ago. So let's see if we can just go to the actual website and see what is actually still available, shall we? Um, if we go to actually uh, dcfandom.com, there you go. The, uh, the full multiverse is still very much up and running, um, but it's what's actually available in terms of the uh, the panels. So if we go to Watchverse, for example, uh, one of my personal favourites of the whole weekend was the Dwayne uh, McDuffie uh, screening. Let's have a look. Yep, there it is. It's up and running. We're not going to show too much of it. We don't want to uh, tread on anyone's toes. Uh, but no, what they've actually done with the, 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 the fandom has been impressive. Let's talk about it. Um, like I say, it went live 6 p.m. GMT yesterday, Saturday, the uh, 12th of September. I was scared. Uh, considering that when the actual site went live, um, it pretty much fell on its backside from word go. Um, you had 
504 bad gateways you had sites and pages not uh, loading up everything just kind of fell very very quickly um the sheer amount of people logging onto the site um and from across the globe as well so i can imagine there was a lot of um uh, crashing of servers when it comes to um visitors from across the globe it just seemed it really did um struggle under the weight which I suspect was part of the plan when they separated the Hall of Heroes from the other halls, the Watchverse, the Insiderverse, the Hueverse, uh, the uh, the rest of uh, what uh, they had to put on. Um, they didn't want their big showcase of all of their upcoming movies and TV from uh, the Batman, from Snyder Cut. Um, they didn't want it to fall on its ass. The criticism I had of that uh, first phase that first um, weekend where they ran um, was it was a very passive event it was a live stream which someone hit play and it just um, went live that sense of um, interaction and all the various rooms and halls um, at the end of the day would have absolutely crashed that server from word go and they had spent a lot of time and money on the content on the live stream the continuous live stream uh, which uh, went out so it was more a case of protecting themselves then we saw what actually would have happened the crashing of the servers in the first 25 minutes i kind of gave them a little bit of a kicking on social media <laughs> just because i thought hang on a second this is a business that is owned by at&t a premier communication company and they can't get this right oh god what have they done and then it started all coming together. Videos started playing, menus started loading, and content started becoming um, visible. And I was absolutely blown away. Uh, let's let's return to the page and so you can just see. I mean, if we Watchverse, I suspect was one of the main places for people to go and uh, check out. And the just the sheer level of stuff that was available the Dwayne McDuffie story a uh, great screening of that uh, documentary of a true groundbreaking talent creating heroes the life and art of Jim Lee two great uh, 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 comics panels in the, the level of comics content was very impressive um, Joker War three jokers uh, admittedly these were clearly recorded a month ago and they're talking about books that are upcoming and they don't want to talk about spoiling them Joker War finished last week. Uh, three Jokers, I think, is coming to a close. Or just come to a close. Something like that. So, yeah, the timing was a bit off. But there we go. But I was blown away by some real niche panels. And not only that, but it looked great. It clearly, obviously, was recorded on Zoom. But they've chopped it up. They've packaged it. They've stuck it through an edit suite and made it look fantastic. So... You can't, you can't knock what they've done. I'm Lattings. What your, what's your super pa uh, panel? John Ridley and the other history of the DC Universe. Another element of um, uh, fandom this time round was just the sheer embrace of diversity um, on a global scale. Um, the different markets that um, uh, DC uh, appeals to and also the different um, uh, genders um, uh, who you um, affiliate with in terms of race and gender. Um, that was really well represented. Um, there was some, I mean, there's one which 
is an absolute blast of a panel, um, which is this. I tweeted this out and I desperately hope that um, they actually do listen and put this up on um, uh, the uh, uh, the YouTube channel, which is a, um, uh, a panel about um, the power and effect of um, uh, comics and the stories that we tell through DC Comics intersecting with real life civil social and political um, agendas and topics is a, a very important for me a very important conversation um it was 45 minutes and it was an absolute joy to watch that's truth justice in the dc comics way it's live now i mean you can all of these are still live it was supposed to finish in a, an hour ago so no it's still up and running dan Barry is saying uh, three jokers only has number one out ah okay i i stand corrected it's not a book i have been reading um, and I've got to go get my books next week, so I've uh, just checking. But there we go. But no, it was it's such. This was such an important panel, and I really do hope. Jim Lee liked my tweet, uh, saying that it needs to go up on their YouTube channel. So, fingers crossed. Like I say, it's still live though. Um, so that twenty-four hours thing, hopefully, um, it'll continue to um, to roll on. If anything, because the sheer wealth of content that was available is mind-blowing um this was what we wanted uh two weeks ago just the sheer ability to pick and choose your own adventure of exploring um from every corner of the dc creativity from lucifer to um let's have a look on there watchman uh through the games inside injustice making the the games and comics um, the Legacy of the Bat panel, which is about some real talent from across the history of Batman. A great Harley Quinn panel. It was just, just the amount of content blew me away. I was absolutely gobsmacked. Um, and I don't think anyone who has had 24 hours to tear apart uh, the entire website will have been able to see everything they want to. Um, I'm glad it's carrying on going for a little while longer. Uh, because it allows people to kind of really delve into some nooks and crannies. Um, also, just the, uh, like I say, the, the various elements of it. Kidsverse, it's interesting that that actually spins off into a separate website. Uh, uh, <laughs> um, we'll, uh, I, I'm not going to bring that one up, Dan. I, I know exactly what you're discussing. I know what you're talking about. Um, but... Um, yeah, the, the, the Kids Fandom is its own separate um, URL, dckidsfandom.com. Um, and yeah, you've got um, some really cool stuff uh, for the kids. Uh, everything from um, karaoke, from uh, how to draw, draw with Jim Lee and family, uh, DC Superhero Girls being represented, of course, uh, DC Lego. Um, you've got uh, Kids Crafts. Uh, read-alongs, uh, Shazam's Showdown uh, with uh, people like uh, uh, Jack Dylan Grazer and Asher Angel and um, Chellerman and Len Jenny Lorenzo. Some real, some great talents uh, really helping out um, bringing in and ushering the, uh, the next generation of fans. Uh, all on its own dedicated site, so it's not good. They're not going to click on something. Uh, for example, they're not going to click on the Harley Quinn panel by accident, which, by the way, was rather interesting that they uh, put on the, uh, the when you saw the Harley Quinn Q&A 
uh, two weeks ago. It was bleat to uh, Hell and Sundry. Um, this time round, no, they took the bleeps out and away uh, Katie goes uh, with, the, with full explosives. All in all, um, it was, it is just, it was what I wanted from DC Fandom. Um, I was, I was very impressed um, just by the sheer level of content, uh, by design. Um, once everything got settled and everything kind of, uh, everyone got, all this, the the uh, the site issues kind of died down. It it became what I wanted. Um, admittedly, I quite would have quite liked the Hall of Heroes in the center, and it then angled out to the various orbiting worlds. But that's just design, I suppose. That's just something. That's me. That's this. If that's the niggle I can give for this thing, um, I, I you can't you can't knock it. I hope it stays live a little bit longer. I hope people get the chance to check this out uh, because there's still so much to dive into. Uh, for myself, if I am going to pick um, any kind of, um, like I say, if I if I could pick five panels, let's pick five off the top of my head as uh, ones which um, really kind of jumped out at me, very important and very uh, entertaining panels. Jim Lee, Creating Heroes, The Life and Art of Jim Lee. Um, at the end of the day, he is currently the top of the tree. He is very much their uh, uh, their Christmas angel. Um, he is the face of DC. Um, and whoever they're going to get on board, or whoever they have got on board as uh, the creative director, of, or sorry, the, uh, the, the, the person who's going to be running DC from here on in, these, uh, Jim Lee's at the top of the tree. Um, I'm not entirely sure how that worked with uh, Dandy Dio. I'm just wondering if there was a case of people were thinking... Uh, we don't want to share here. Let's have a singular voice. Let's have a singular face. And Jim Lee does crop up an awful lot on the website. He's very much um, the uh, the face of DC uh, for the moment. But still a great um, uh, documentary, mini-doc on uh, his life and work. The League of, League of One, the Dwayne McDuffie story. Um, yeah, the man was a groundbreaking talent. Um, he is missed on a regular basis and um yeah it's uh, this was a great celebration of his life and work so yeah very 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 cool uh, presentation there i'm going to go down to the bottom because the one that also tickled me was watchman and mast um based around the uh, the tv series um and talking about how um, the relationship between uh, the politics and the uh, themes that were brought up in the tv series um, how they relate to where we currently are um, as a society uh, on both sides of the Atlantic, mostly in America, of course. But um, that was a strong and important panel. We've talked about truth, justice in the DC Comics way, so I'll let that be its own separate thing. Let's pick a, a couple more. Um, there was, I mean, if I go over to uh, the... Um, da -ba 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 -ba, if I bring up the uh, U-verse, uh, there were a couple of great panels in here or uh, presentations which uh, allowed the fans to really shine uh, forward. Celebration of Women of DC Fan Art and Cosplay. Um, a lot of people uh, showing off their DC love and uh, yeah, absolute uh, joy to see some familiar faces in there, but also the Celebration of Heroes Fan Art. It, all of this lot was just great celebration 
of the the fans and I think a number of conventions and a number of um, presentations have forgotten the the relationship that the fans have with their heroes, not necessarily just the uh, the, the the single direction of uh, of fandom. It's a two way street, and that's what this site, this mini site, really does celebrate in that regard. So, uh, bravo for putting on Uverse. Um, inside of us. I'm going to showcase a couple in here because these really did uh, tickle my fancy. Um, the Fire Rises, we've kind of seen the story already about the creation of the Dark Knight trilogy, but uh, it's good to have it all in one go and have it as a, a nice little uh, uh, retrospective on those Christopher Nolan movies. But um, the one that really, let me just uh, find it in on this page, uh, is uh, just so important to have and i can't quite put my hands on it right now it's the celebration of oh, there it is masterpiece frank miller's the dark knight returns a book which has more impact over the course of the years and continues to have a huge resonance in terms of how heroes are perceived how comics are perceived um this was ground zero um, people talk about Watchmen, people talk about V for Vendetta, people talk about Mouse, people talk about um, other important works. Dark Knight Returns is the one that defined the whole concept of a graphic novel, um, the collected trade, because at the end of the day it was a four-part um, <laughs> part of the con continuity of uh, uh, the Batman title. So, yeah, it's an important book and it's great to have it represented uh, their masterpiece, Frank Miller's The Dark Knight Returns. Uh, great um, conversation, uh, great uh, presentation on that one. And then you also had um, a couple of uh, great uh, discussions about design um, in terms of uh, costumes, in terms of shows. Um, yeah, it's, it, I, I think I'll, I'll, I'll leave it pretty much there because it is just, I mean, look at it, it's just so much content and well worth checking out uh dan berry is reminding us dc has now hired former activision blizzard chief uh daniel cherry to fill the positions of senior vice president and general manager according to hollywood reporter cherry will begin his role on september 8th yeah um like i say he's the person he's the new boss he's the new boss but he's not the new face of dc at the end of the day i guarantee he will sit behind a desk and he will control and influence and do what he needs to do and dance those strings and make his puppets uh, do what they need to do. Jim Lee is the face. Jim Lee is the face of DC um, in much the same way as, as Marvel. Yes, um, there's a face for that and then there's the people behind the scenes. It's a case of who's, who's pulling the strings. Daniel Cherry, he will determine the future of DC Comics. Jim Lee will just be out front selling it. Simple as. And that's pretty much what we saw on Fandom. We saw that um, coming together in a unified voice. It's just a shame that it wasn't put alongside uh, the Hall of Heroes presentation two weeks ago because there was so much stuff here which deserved the spotlight which the Hollywood glare 
gave uh, DC fandom. There were so many people that didn't even know this was going ahead. Um, the noise on social media wasn't as loud. It didn't trend as heavily as it did two weeks ago, the Hollywood noise. We talk about it. We talk about that um, that uh, glare that uh, the, the Hollywood effort has and whether it spills over to the comics. We could have done with that spillage. Um, I really could have changed, changed my metaphor, but you get the idea. Um, there's some stuff here that could have done with that spotlight. Uh, for 24 hours, DC has once again shown its wares, and it's been great to have it represented in such a slick, professional manner. Um, I think we're going to be seeing Fandom again next year. Um, I really want to get David Glanzer, I really want to get someone from Comic-Con International uh, on this show because I think you're going to see a lot more of this, um, this dedicated marketing. Um, even if it's a real-life event where someone finds a dome somewhere and actually creates fandom for real. Um, who knows? But that will mean that they will not be going to the collective conventions uh, going forward. Where that leaves San Diego, where that leaves New York, who knows? Metaverse is just around the corner. Uh, we'll be discussing that, I believe, on next week's show. Um, but yeah, that's going to be uh, an interesting conversation to have. How um, Reed Pop, how uh, Wizard World, how Comic Con International will be in its platform moving forward when you have events like DC Fandom, which will quite happily sit on its own and uh, do its own thing. We'll find out. Speaking of next week, let's uh, very quickly uh, talk about uh, who we've got going uh, coming on as guests for the next couple of weeks. Um, number one, do check out the other uh, shows that we've had recently because we've had a lot of fun with uh, the likes of Cullen Bunn, uh, Mike Hawthorne, Stephen Mooney was a good one. But next weekend we do have Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips who's going to be talking about That Texas Blood. And then on Sunday, the 27th of September, Elsa Chatirier is going to be joining us to talk about um, her uh, efforts when it comes to crowdfunding and um, what it's been like um, on, in her neck of the woods when it comes to uh, the pandemic and how she's been affected by uh, lockdown and uh, uh, in, on a creative level. Looking forward to talking to her. It's someone I've been wanting to speak to, to for a while, so really looking forward to talking to Elsa Chatirier. And that's our show. Thank you very much indeed for joining us today. Um, hope you've enjoyed it. Once again, this will be going up on um, our audio um, channels tomorrow from 12 o'clock on Monday. So that's the 14th of September. And then the full video gets uploaded to YouTube uh, as a free uh, uh, public download on Wednesday from 12 p.m. GMT. From me to you, thank you very much indeed for watching. Hope you've enjoyed the show. Thanks again to Julie Tate for coming on to talk about Lakes Festival. Um, again, it's an event which I really do hope uh, all the best for um, because it's a different challenge to put on a festival when you've got so many schools and disciplines to kind of ca uh, cater to. And I think they're going to do a great job. From me to you, enjoy the rest of your weekend. Um, next week, That Texas Blood with Chris Condon and Jacob Phillips. Really, really looking forward to it. Take care. Enjoy the rest of your weekend. Bye-bye. Thank <laughs> you.